Hello and welcome to Moving Into the Unknown. Your hosts are Heidi, Libby and Dale from Australia and we take it in turns to have conversations with people. This month we have Dale and Libby to be exploring our 10th episode with Nick Strauss-Klein. So welcome Nick and Hello, and we're very pleased to have you here. And uh, I just want to introduce Nick as the creator of the Feldenkrais Project. So this is an enormous endeavour. It's a a really, um, what started as a very unpretentious thing, I think has grown into a really generous sort of phenomenal offering in terms of high quality audio online Feldenkrais lessons that are available to to everyone. And we're really excited to hear from Nick, who's a Feldenkrais practitioner who graduated in, in New York in 2006 and then has gone on to create a wonderful series of lessons Uh, culminating in them being placed online in 2015 under his old website, which I believe was uh, Twin Cities, Cities, Feldenkrais. And then in 2019, uh, this has become the Feldenkrais Project. And so we're really interested to see uh, or ask you, Nick, how this fantastic endeavour began and uh, what led you into Feldenkrais? Because I understand you have a, a, uh, a master's, um, master's in music, music pedagogy, and your interest has been in teaching and, and learning philosophy over time. Um, and you had some personal experience that, that as a, well, when training to be a concert pianist that led you into this. So I guess that's a great place to start. And in uh, how did it start for you? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And congrats on 10 episodes. This is a a wonderful endeavor. And our (laughs) goals to get more Feldenkrais into the world really line up beautifully. So I'm I'm honored to be here and help you in your wonderful endeavor. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to mention, Nick, um, that it's it's a good thing to thank all the people who have supported us so far in uh, getting us to 10 episodes. And I know that you're going to let us know what your interesting statistics are with the Feldenkrais Project, but I'd like to uh, thank on behalf of Dale and Heidi, all the people listening to this project, uh, moving into the unknown. And um, so we have... We have a lot of Feldenkrais devotees, people interested in Feldenkrais, studying Feldenkrais uh, in training programs, uh, practitioners and uh, practitioners to be. So it's a it's a pretty broad audience, which I think um, is maybe similar to yours as well. But uh, yeah, so how did, how did it begin for you, Nick? So I, like a lot of people, found the Feldenkrais method because I had a problem right? And often that problem is pain. And uh, my problem didn't start as pain. It started as my, my right hand being more and more sluggish at the piano uh, without any reason that I could perceive. I just found my skillfulness actually diminishing um, no matter how much I practice. And it was a time in my life when I thought I was going to be a concert pianist. And I had a bachelor of music in piano performance. And I 
thought I was starting a bachelor of music in piano or a, a master of music in piano performance. And instead I found that over time I could play less and less well, no matter what I did. And I had explored all the medical routes to try to figure this out and nothing was really working. And then someone said, you should try Feldenkrais. And like everyone else in the world, I said, Felden, what? And um, started trying out lessons uh, first with a, an awareness through movement class that was at the conservatory uh, Peabody, uh, part of Johns Hopkins in the US here. And um, I found them absolutely fascinating. I had no idea what was going on, but boy, did I feel better afterwards. And I could feel some more facility almost immediately, or at least a temporary return. Like, okay, this does make an impact, but somehow I'm doing something that makes it worse again, yeah? So eventually I started trying uh, the one-to-one -one functional integration lessons. And um, by that time, I really did have some pain developing. And within one or two lessons, most of the pain was gone. And it shocked me because, I mean, I was, I think, 22 years old at the time. And the pain was bad enough that I had trouble um, driving in reverse in my car. You know, I, I could not twist my neck around comfortably to look behind me. And all I was focused on was my fingers, even though my neck wasn't working, right? And somewhere um, in all this, the Feldenkrais practitioners I was working with started to fill in the dots for me. And um, in the meantime, while I wasn't able to play so well, I had connected to a master's of music pedagogy degree. And I had always been teaching piano lessons and really enjoyed teaching. And so the pedagogy was a nice fit. I got pretty fascinated with that. And eventually one of my Feldenkrais teachers said, hey, there's a, there's a teacher training happening in Baltimore right here in our city. I started in Baltimore, finished in New York. Um, and you should do this whether or not you think you wanna be a Feldenkrais practitioner. And I thought, I just wanna know more. And I learned that the training was gonna have a whole lot to do with learning theory. Like how do human beings acquire new skills? How do we learn? And I thought that that dovetailed beautifully with my interests as a teacher. And, and um, the rest is history in a way, but you know, there was a long period where ironically, my day job was music. I paid the bills with music as I tried to start my, my Feldenkrais um, profession back in New York. So I just have a random question. Do you have now students that you that kind of lean towards they could have potentially also have um, be damaging their fingers? And do you kind of bring Feldenkrais to your lessons unawarely or consciously? I made a decision when uh, my wife's work moved us to the Twin Cities and we left New York. So back in New York, there was a, a year when I had, I think, like about seven jobs as I did my taxes. I realized how many different gigs I had. And when we left New York and came here and we had two of our four children at that time, I decided I needed to do just one thing. So I actually stopped teaching music. It was a little sacrifice, but I loved teaching Feldenkrais even more. Um, and so I've been only devoted to that since about 2009, it's been full-time Feldenkrais. So I don't at this point uh, work in a, in a music teacher way, but I have had a lot of Feldenkrais students who are musicians. And um, I, I always particularly enjoy that connection because I know how, um, how intense that road is for asking the very best of yourself and um, how easy the pitfalls are for, um, for not listening to yourself as you try to become very skillful. So I'm always happy to assist musicians in, in maturing in that way. Mm. Mm. It's really interesting, Nick. Um, I, I was just looking, seeing what I left out of the introduction of the Feldenkrais project was um, that I think what's interesting about it is it's so big and you have like such a really big vision 
uh, attached to it. And um, more than that, it's a, it's a really unusual uh, model. And so we were hoping to unpack some of those things here in this conversation. And I wondered if I might just um, uh, be able to read or I, I don't need to read, maybe can you articulate your vision? Because I think that's really important for people to hear. Sure, wait, yeah. Wait, so the... wait, 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 but we've got a bit of a jump here. Okay. So you came out of the training and then, so what was your journey that led you into the Feldenkrais project? Because as you say, it's quite big. And yeah. I know a lot of people are in our training now, not knowing where to go, how to bring this to the world. Kind of there's an expectation that everybody would know what Feldenkrais is because now we're so deep in it. So what led you to the Feldenkrais project? Uh, my love affair with awareness through movement lessons. Right. So when when we moved out here to Minnesota, I went from a place where you couldn't throw a stone without hitting a Feldenkrais practitioner in New York City to a state that has only a couple. Right. There, there were very few and none of them were near enough for me to work with regularly. And so, um, you know, I was already a practitioner for a couple of years, but I really had to become my own practitioner and the empowerment that I felt by um, almost all of my Feldenkrais study being you know, on the floor, um, as Cheryl Field, one of my favorite teachers says, almost like being back in the crib, reorganize yourself, get to know yourself as a human being, do this for yourself on the floor. Um, I, at that point, had the, had the skill and awareness, I guess, to, um, to really be able, um, in part because nobody was helping me, to try to start to solve my own problems. It felt like, um, I know you're, you're trainees right now, it felt like graduate work to be left alone in a new state without colleagues to, to support me directly and to think, okay, I have to figure out how to, to solve my own, my own problems, my own pains, my own desires to function better as a human being. And I've got this incredible training, but now I really got to do it myself, right? So I just started doing and studying ATM very, very closely and um, listening to teachers that I really liked very, very closely. And I was always teaching ATM classes from the time I graduated, but I just, I just kind of uh, took it up a notch of detail in terms of how I prepared and studied. And, um, and lo and behold, the classes were becoming more and more successful. People were really interested in, in, um, in the way I was teaching. And um, I started thinking, well, it would be fun to be able to share this wider. Um, so I started recording a few and you know, keeping um, recordings that I thought were some of my, my favorite teaching that I had done. And it took a couple of years, um, but in 2015, I started putting them online on uh, the Twin Cities Feldenkrais website. And then at some point, um, someone said, you know, you could just put a PayPal button on there to help fund your time with this since you're giving these away for free. And I thought, well, nobody would support that. I mean, I'm not even, I'm doing this because I love ATM and I want people to have the same freedom and self-empowerment that I've discovered through it. Um, but lo and behold, some people started giving uh, some money to help support the, the hours I was pouring into it. And I was kind of blown away by that. Um, and then the community comments started coming. Lots of people would, would leave just uh, website comments, you know, like public forum comments on some of these lesson pages. Because I did it in, in what I thought was kind of a clever way. I, I put the lessons, each of them, as an individual web page with an audio player. So that if you want to give, like if a practitioner wanted to give a homework lesson to someone, or I wanted to share a lesson with a student of mine or uh, with a friend, you can just send them a URL, a specific web page. There's only one lesson there and a play button. 
And below that audio player, it started to be that there were comments that people who had listened would ask questions or talk about how they felt afterwards. And this community started springing up and it was really reinforcing. I mean, it just felt wonderful to have this online community of people who really cared about the work. Um, so I added more and more lessons and more and more donations came. And I thought, you know, after a couple of years, this deserves its own platform that isn't Twin Cities Feldenkrais, which is, you know, where I advertise my Minnesota classes and my functional integration lessons and all that. And that's when I um, kind of started, a, it was a, a fundraising effort, basically. I, I went to donors and I said, I want to build a new website that's like this one, but even better. And I would love your help. I'd love to crowdsource this. I'm happy to put in the labor and the time, but um, can you help me pay the bills for the consultants who did the technical heavy lifting and some of the other efforts that aren't in my skill set? Um, can you help me pay for that? And they did. They did. We, we raised um, exactly enough money to pay all the bills in launching the website back in 2019. Mm. So that's, that's how we got um, from, uh, <laughs> from graduation to the the Feldenkrais project. Is it okay? I wanted to share a little bit about the vision. I was uh, I was yeah. enjoying uh, Libby's question yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I'm I'm really proud of this. I, I worked with a consultant early on who really pushed me to nail down into very few words what we were trying to accomplish. And to this day, now it's been all, almost three years. This fall, it'll be three years since I since we wrote this uh, vision statement um, together. And it really, um, I go back to it when I have to make decisions about what we're doing next. All right. Mm, so we called it the Feldenkrais Project because it really is a collaboration, right? It's a collaboration of the efforts that I put in and, and the efforts to share the work and the efforts to financially support the work that this global community, and we now have four to 5,000 unique visitors every month on the website. So it's a huge community, uh, hundreds of donors, and it's a collaborative effort. And we are simply trying to spread the benefits of Feldenkrais study as widely as possible. Mm -hmm. And we did that because uh, the donors and the listeners and everyone who shares the lessons, I, I think that everyone is probably a little bit like me, consciously or not, they realize that Feldenkrais method makes the world a better place. The more people doing this work, I think the more mature human beings we have in the world and you look around and boy, do we need that right now. So, <laughs> yes, um, so we're trying to spread the benefits as widely as possible. The, uh, the second point is we're trying to elevate awareness of the method because I mean, here we are 60, 70 years since its conception. Mm -hmm. Why is Feldenkrais not a household word yet? Anyone who's put several hours, maybe a dozen hours into this work, anyone who's given it a dozen hours of their life Realize how, realizes how special it is, how transformative it is, how, how based in, in a, a, a fair reckoning and look at yourself, how based in your own God-given skills, right? It's, it's almost like a, like, a, like a human right of learning that we should be able to, to manage ourselves and improve ourselves with our own sensitivity and intelligence. I don't think there's anything else out there that's doing it as well as Feldenkrais method is. And yet 70 years later, you know, compared to yoga or massage or Pilates, we are so tiny. We are so tiny. So uh, a huge part of the vision is just to get the word out there with no barrier at all. And I don't even know if we've said, you know, the Feldenkrais Project, the primary collection remains totally free. You don't have to have an account. You don't need to give me your email address. You just go to the website and press play. It works that reliably. So second part is elevate awareness of the method, no barrier to entry. And then the third part is to continue this grassroots funding model and grassroots community. Um, you know, I really like not being beholden to any larger entity. I like that we don't sell ads or sell our users information. 
The Feldenkrais Project works the way I wish the whole internet did, which is that you can count on the quality being very high of everything I post on it. And we do it without having uh, some of the worst marketing aspects of the internet and, and being really pushy about things or selling ads or information. Because of our donors, we can function in this really, really beautiful way. Uh, that it's just a it's just a joy to be on the website and and with the community, and I should actually I should pause for just a second since the Venn diagram that includes your listeners and the Feldenkrais Project listeners and donors I think is probably pretty huge I think we probably have quite a lot of overlap so I'll take a moment to say thank you to our donors <laughs> and listeners and everyone who shares Feldenkrais Project lessons thank mm. you <laughs> and also also that um you have a patreon account now so what and what i, I just want to put in what i hear about what you're saying is it's really true to the method in that it's non-evasive it's respecting people's privacy and that's what's the beautiful aspect of feldenkrais is that people can explore and learn in the privacy of their own minds um and then so on the internet we go to the internet and we've got all of this bombardment of material information vying for our attention, where this is Feldenkrais is really about attention to movement. So it's, thank you for being authentic and true to the vision, which I think Moshe would also appreciate, um, and utilizing this tool in a way, this tool meaning the internet, in a, the, a way that is consistent and an extension of what it is we're learning. It's quite rare. So. Thank you very much for that. And also to your Patreon um, people who are funding you and um, help, helping you keep it grow. It's really awesome, respect. And I think from you, we learn. Um, and this is one of the reasons also that we have the podcast. We want to learn from the people who have stepped before us so that we don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, um, Dale, I was just going to say, I've, I've got here some of, uh, some of the things on your website, Nick, are truly amazing from the people who, as you say, are collaborators, they're um, consumers, they're audio listeners of your lessons. And uh, just some of the comments that they've written just really describe Feldenkrais in such a beautiful way and the, some of the basic foundations of it. I'd like to read just a couple, if you don't mind, from your website, just from people who've, uh, who've done awareness through movement lessons, that's the ATM lessons we were speaking about. Um, I imagine doing Feldenkrais all day. I imagine performing movements that pop into my awareness or just focus on the sensation that sweeps over me when I say the word Feldenkrais. Feldenkrais is a, a, a funny word. It, it comes from Moshe Feldenkrais, it's his name. But um, some of these, the rest of the comments do um, allude to a little bit about what people get out of an awareness through movement lesson um, and reflect what Dale was saying about the autonomy that uh, people do get out of it. I like to be spontaneous about which lesson and what time of day people are speaking about where and when they're doing the lessons. I choose what I feel my body needs most that day. Um, you know, if things don't clarify, I give my, myself permission to just listen. Next time I repeat, blah, blah, blah. And I have the rest of my life to improve. I think there's a lot of uh, hope uh, in, in what you offer, in what Feldenkrais offers. A period of exploration and calm, coming home to myself um, and it about always being a restorative uh, kind of thing. So, and the last comment I just picked out, it's so awakening to feel 
what is going on in my body or my aging body. So there are many more of those that people can, can go on your website and have a look at because I think it's a beautiful part of the website to see that people have um, really warmed to what you offer and they've taken it into their own homes. So it really is, um, I think that's what Moshe Feldenkrais intended. Uh, so, and and I'm interested in what, what are some of the other statistics that you can give us about how this Feldenkrais project has, has, uh, has grown because you've got a lot more listeners now than you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in our first year after we launched the new website, which was uh, 2019 to, to 2020, we had, I think that year it was 23,000 um, people visited the website. And then the second year was exactly double, 46,000 unique visitors in our second year from, I think it's March to March. So state is a couple months old, but that's what I, I was looking up everything at our, at our second birthday celebration. And then one of the most amazing things, I was able to, to look into our analytics and I discovered something because, you know, a lot of people, as they click around the internet, they come and go, but you, you kind of get credit for the click that someone visited, right? Mm. But, um, you know, as I list that 46,000, but I don't know how many are engaged, but I figured out how to, to, to learn that. I was able to, to uh, put together the number of lesson pages we've served. So remember how I said that every Awareness Through Movement lesson is its own web page? So the number of lessons loaded um, in the second year, and I don't know if they listen to the whole thing, but it's an amazing number. 122,000 ATM wow. lessons were loaded on our website in the second year alone which just knocked my socks off. Um, wow. At the end of the second year, we had 70% um, more active donors than we had at the end of the first year. Um, that's an amazing number to me too, because we started the first year with all of our founders, you know, the people who were active donors who helped us launch the website and they got all the donor benefits for the first year. But the donor community has been growing really nicely too through the second year. And then another fun fact, as I look at Australians here, um, Australia is number three in the world for uh, accessing the Feldenkrais Project. Uh, UK is number two and about 50% in the USA. But we are 50% non-US, which I feel very proud of. I love that it really is a, a global collaboration. That's fantastic. So some of the things in what you've, what you've mentioned, uh, Libby, in one of the comments, the imagining the movement so that this method is being imagined by people. Sometimes, you know, it's just enough to imagine the movement. So it's so effective from the internet to have people taking the method forward that way. It's really awesome. Um, and then the other thing is when you said that the statistics doubled and my immediate thought was, oh, they told a friend. So <laughs> if one person just tells one person or brings one person to the site, that, that look at that result it's phenomenal um, mm. and then I have a question um, what are the donor benefits oh thank you so so we've we've tiered it a little bit we want a, an emphasis on participation so you can become what we call a member of the Feldenkrais project um, and for that level of donation which is either in, in US dollars it's three six or nine dollars a month you get to choose um, members get access to um, MP3 downloads of the primary collection, to um, enhanced lesson notes and cross-references. So each one of those 52 um, free public lessons 
Um, they have uh, special sections for our, for our donors that give cross-references to lots of other related ATM lessons. So it allows you to create your, to follow your curiosity and create your own um, uh, little course of ATM lessons, one related to the next. Um, and there's also an enhanced uh, search with that um, where they, you can look up search terms about the lessons and there are a lot more results that, that can be shown because we comb a lot more of the comments and the other things that people have said. So the community sort of builds on that, that search function as they talk about the lessons too. Um, and then finally, during the pandemic, I offered for uh, the member level donors, all donors, but members also have access to um, these four uh, Zoom calls. I did a recording of uh, four, I think they're about 90 minute Zoom calls, which were a, an ATM lesson uh, in this kind of face-to-face -face way of the modern world that we've developed this last year um, with a Q&A section afterwards. So really, really spending time with the, the donor community to answer questions about Feldenkrais study. And that was really, really cool. I've looked for more and more ways to, to do that because as far as, you know, as we've grown, the, the tasks of managing the project have grown too. And I've been trying to hire out more of the technical stuff that, I'm, that I can do, but I'm less interested in. The community stuff continues to absolutely thrill me. You know, you read those testimonials and it just it makes yeah. me want to add more lessons. It's just so wonderful to, to share this work with the world. So that's mm -hmm. the, the member level donors. And then we have what we call patron level donors, which are, it's for $18 a month or um, a little bit less if they contribute quarterly or yearly. And the big benefit they get in addition to all those other ones is there's a collection of uh, additional lessons. Now almost three dozen additional lessons, we add one or more every month um, that is uh, just for our patron level donors. Um, and that's uh, become a really amazing um, source. I put some of my most interesting stuff in there as I develop ATM lessons and put my own handwriting on them um, because I know that everyone who is studying them is really committed to the Feldenkrais method. So um, accessibility is one, one of the most important things to me. So all the public collections, almost all of those lessons are really good for a newcomer or nearly a newcomer. I, I try to be very accessible in my lessons, but the patron uh, level lessons are some of them more sophisticated. And it's a lot of fun to um, be able to teach more challenging lessons to a community that I know that I believe is ready for them uh, when they get to them. I think I think it's um, something else I noticed on the website, Nick, is that you, it's very complex. And as you as you really go through it, you've got amazing study tips for Feldenkrais. You've got tech tips for accessing uh, accessing your material. You've got um, Feldenkrais project tips sort of dotted all the way through that are consistent with your vision. And uh, one little list I wrote down was this fabulous uh, resource for students, learners of Feldenkrais. Um, you've got quite a lot of information you've dissected and, and sourced the material, but also resourced it. You've got comfort and configuration uh, issues, curiosities, the context of the awareness through movement lesson, the, the source and other related and you know linked ATMs that you've you've put in there, as well as the user comments for each lesson. So for it, it, just in one lesson, in one offering, you have this myriad of um, myriad of, of ways that we can look at that lesson. So you you're really offering, I, I can see how you're 
pedagogy, your background in teaching and learning has has really influenced that. I'm mm. glad you you caught on to that. I, I do think it makes the the website special to have lots mm. of details and just ways to sort of dig in further when you get curious about something. Mm. Um, I, I like how those lesson notes are interactive. You know, you get a little bit curious and you get to click and open things up and you're, you're right, we've done it for every lesson. Uh, yeah. It's something that took a lot of time, uh, but I, mm. I find it worth it because I think it's, um, I think it's great for there to be resources uh, little by little for people to dig into when they're curious. I just think it's a wonderful way. Well, it, it also sounds like a frame and given that that's what we work with in um, Feldenkrais, the skeleton. So you've built you've actually composed I also hear a composed um, orchestration of the <laughs> classes that you've brought your music nice. <laughs> yeah to the yeah the composition is really tending to people's possible just you know, possible ways of coming into the your website so it's really really beautiful but I do have a, a question before we before it um, disappears, you mentioned also developing ATM classes. So as a practitioner, are you developing your own? When I, when I feel a need for a particular class or situation, and I don't know uh, of a source that does quite what I'm thinking of or quite what I've found in my own self or you know, quite how I've uh, found the best way to connect material to new students. Yes, I will. This took me years and you know, you're trainees. So I, I have to give the, um, I have to give the professional answer to you and say, don't invent lessons, right? Which was the same thing that was, same thing that was told to me. <laughs> I promise that was told to me in no uncertain terms um, several times. I've even heard it recently uh, from a trainer, right? Um, there, there is such an incredible, uh, raft of material from Moshe directly to us. You know, I myself have not been through every Alexander Yanai lesson. That is a life's work, and I want to continue doing that. But um, as I got more confident, maybe 10 years or more into my practice, I started feeling, you know, like I, I just was on the floor doing a lesson and I started doing some little detail in my own way, you know, and you chase enough of those threads and you start to find other ways to do it. But it, you you need to know very beautifully the the kind of guiding principles and structures of awareness through movement learning, and once you feel good about that, I do think it's okay, um, because ideally I I want my students to be able to do what one of those comments you read, Libby, uh, that that person was saying that through the day that person was feeling little movements and kind of turning them into Feldenkrais lessons, mm -hmm. right? That is a, a beautiful thing. And, you know, to have Feldenkrais students who are, who are confident enough in their own sensitivity and creativity and agency to feel dissatisfied with themselves in some way, they want something, something should change, they're hoping for something, they get on the floor, they start to improvise awareness mm -hmm. through movement and they change or solve a problem or continue their learning process, that's absolutely amazing, isn't it? So, so we should be able to do, that, to do that. I want our students to be able to do that. And um, if, I, if I had told myself never to really do a lesson that I invented, I think I would miss out on the, 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 the excitement that I try to convey about you can do this for yourself. You're not on a script. You don't have to, we're never performing lessons, right? It's exploratory movement. It's not performative. I think when you play out those implications, eventually it's wise to, to create our own lessons. 
Mm. But, uh, but take it's, your time. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. I hear when you say um, Feldenkrais student too, that some people might think, oh, no, well, this is for someone else. This is for a particular student, a student who's in a training program, a student who listens to lessons. But I think we need to be clear when we talk about accessibility that this is for everyone, this is for uh, human beings. So when we talk about a Feldenkrais student, we're just talking about um, uh, an average human being, anybody, any person on the on the planet, really. And, That's right. Uh, it betrays that it betrays that emphasis on unlearning, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Although we call I, people who 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 study Feldenkrais or people who do Feldenkrais, we call all of them students. Yeah, thank you for yeah. clarifying that. And I think you, something else I, I note is you mentioned your guiding principles and structures. You do an amazing job on the website of introducing people to Feldenkrais. And I really recommend um, people take a look at it. There's a little section called Read This First. And the way you orient people to Feldenkrais, we can't cover in the scope of this podcast, but um as a, a, lear a learning guide and an initial sort of orientation, it's kind of like you're a beacon with the Feldenkrais project because you are putting forward this um, way of navigating Feldenkrais, a way of approaching what this is and a way of, um, I don't know, I see you as a pretty skilled navigator like a, a Boy Scout, you know, orienteering and being able to pinpoint the way for us. Um, so... That's that was one interesting thing, but I'm just wondering now if if we might want to hear about um, some of the issues you've had in setting up the Feldenkrais project, some of the, the the struggles, you know, where it's come from, where it's where it's going. Would you like to? Yeah, no, happy to talk about it. Um, you know, the the as we always say in Feldenkrais, we need to make all the mistakes we need to make in order to learn, right? Moshe used to say, make all the mistakes you need to make. Um, so the challenges I've had along the way in it are mostly related, um, not a big surprise, to uh, reckoning with my own compulsions, right? Um, if, if something isn't working out, um, I am someone, just like with the piano, um, I am someone who would just throw more and more time and effort into it. Right. So I've been able to absorb most of the mistakes I've made just by, you know, staying up till 3 a.m. and getting something done. <laughs> but it's not a way to uh, to work long term. And luckily, most of those growing pains are gone now. But when I was building the website back in 2019, uh, yes, we, we wouldn't want to talk about what those days were like. They were not good self-care. Um, so so dealing with um, dealing with my own habits of uh, of being maybe a little too detail oriented, about the way the website works or a little bit too, uh, too focused on uh, getting exactly the right words, right? I, you can probably hear and see I'm a words person on the website. I uh, spend much too much time on that. So those are some of the struggles of, of putting all of this um, together. Um, where we're going long-term or short-term, can I talk about that a little bit? Do you wanna hear? Absolutely, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's see, I think I'll start just by, by sharing a tiny bit of short-term stuff. Um, so we've been, one of the, I guess I should back up a tiny bit. Okay, so COVID struck and everyone's lives completely changed. 
And I've been a big counter of the, of the silver linings of COVID to try to keep me sane in all of this. So one silver lining is that here we are very comfortable zooming from Australia to the US. Uh, another silver lining is that I discovered that not just online recordings work well, but Zoom ATM teaching works really well. So I added at the beginning of COVID, I added a weekly live class using a, a pay what you can model very much in the, in the line with kind of how we do as much accessibility as we can. So I've been teaching a weekly live ATM. And then this spring we've gotten into lessons for walking. There has been so much interest from my live students in walking that we're gonna be continuing that into next month. And just to direct your listeners to a free resource, um, I found one of my very favorite uh, lessons that's usually in that collection just for our patron level donors called walking with your sternum and I've just made it free um, for the month of June while the class the live class is studying this anyone who wants a free look at what we're up to can dive into this walking with your sternum lesson I'm going to uh, publicize it on the mailing list soon so an easy way to find it on the website is just to to join the mailing list on the homepage. That's coming out, I think, next week or later this week. I forget when I got that slated to go. Or you can use our search and look for walking with your sternum. So I just wanted to share that because it's one of my, it's one of these sort of more sophisticated lessons. That one is a homebrew. It's not for uh, beginners, but I think any, uh, any Feldenkrais fans who've got some experience with the work will enjoy that. And then also on the, on the realm of these live classes, which again is really quite new to me online still, just a year after you know eight years of, or five, six years of recording and publishing the Feldenkrais Project lessons, the live lessons are only a year old and I'm doing something I haven't done enough of in my weekly classes, which is taking a break in July. And I reached out to the very first person I wanted to come in and be my guest teacher for the live classes in July. And I'm so pleased to say that Deborah Bose will be teaching all four Tuesday classes in July. Um, she calls the course, she'll be teaching over four lessons, organizing the core and pelvic mm -hmm. floor system. So that's coming up in July. And I'm really, really excited to, uh, to do the, our first uh, kind of long-term uh, guest teacher at the Feldenkrais Project. That's pretty exciting. And then so what I'm hoping- so just before you go on, um, just to make note that we are, we do have Deborah on our list to have a conversation with. So that will probably come next year for our listeners who don't know who Deborah Bose is. She's quite a legend in the space. So we've got her on our list next year to, um, to invite to moving into the unknown. Thank you. Just want to put that in. <laughs> She was a guest trainer in uh, my training and one of the ones I connected with the most, her, her work on chronic pain and the pelvic floor and just her whole, her whole ability to connect um, compassionately with students is absolutely amazing. Um, she's one of my very favorites. I'm so glad she'll be joining us. Um, and then to, to bookend the little mention of the COVID year, right, as, as in the U.S., we're starting to finally uh, come out of things and into a little bit of a safer world for uh, for in-person teaching. I'm beginning to look in that direction. I miss it so much. I want to reseed my my creativity and watch people in the same room as me move as I teach instead of just through webcams as well as that works. Um, so I'm actually looking at bringing on a little bit of staff um, to help me manage the website because during the year, since I was stuck at home, I've been doing almost everything myself. So um, I'm currently trying to find someone who's really passionate, passionate about the vision and, and this kind of image of what the internet can be. 
Um, and I just float that out into the ether through your podcast. If anyone wants to reach out to me with curiosities, I, I haven't put together the job description yet. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, got some creativity in it, and I have to figure that out. But I'm trying to find the, the right person to, to join into the Feldenkrais project. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'll, I'll leave the upcoming plans. <laughs> what about being a resource for students? Because one thing I'm noticing is that there's quite a gap between uh, Feldenkrais students and people that have a lot of experience. Is, you know, as students, we're not really addressed during summits, for example. Um, it's mostly people new to Feldenkrais. So can you see your, the Feldenkrais project acting as a resource for students now and in the future? So here, are you talking about student practitioners? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, because yes. we we have to use the word yes. two ways. I, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, student practitioners. Yeah, so, yes. So not general public, but people who are on the on the route professionally. Yes. Um, it's huge. It's hugely important to me to um, see our profession thrive. I, I think we have something fantastic to offer the world. And um, as much as I want um, everyone doing Feldenkrais and that word to be a household word, um, what we need to accomplish that is a lot more practitioners, right? So it's very much um, in the vision of the Feldenkrais Project and in my passionate beliefs to, to support people becoming practitioners. As far as um, how to use the website if you are a student practitioner, one of the things that, that got me motivated to record originally was um, I love I love the audio format. I listen to a lot of practitioners' audio recordings, and almost all of them are studio recorded. And maybe the studio has like a window, and it sounds like there might be one or two people on the ground, and they're watching a, a small demo class kind of situation. And I felt very passionately about recording real life public classes. Right, so you know, I'm, I'm wearing a mic on my ear and walking around the room and recording digitally in my pocket um, to do that. Um, so I, I, I hope that the um, flexibility and the responsiveness to the live room, which is the case for all of our recordings, uh, we could say except for Zoom, but that's live too. You'll still hear me making changes for the, for the students um, as I'm watching them. So I hope that there is maybe some useful modeling of how to respond to a real public class. Um, I hope that the, the, the methods that I've chosen to create uh, engagement and excitement about Feldenkrais study um, are useful to some. It really depends on your voice and how you want to teach ATM. Um, if you've listened to any of my work, you know that I am not a bare bones teacher. Right, I am a, I am a, a rather uh, talkative teacher uh, while trying to leave space for people's learning and sensing process. I really like to address in my lessons the why and how of what's happening, of what we're doing, right? So it's not just moving and sensing instructions, which are both required for ATM lessons. It's also a little reflection on the principles of the work and, and some of the nuts and bolts of what we're doing. Um, I think that sometimes the, the, a limit to Feldenkrais being more popular is that the lessons can be maybe too dry if you're new to the work. You know, once you're into the work and the, 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 the world of the self is safe and enjoyable, then I don't mind however sparse the instructions are when I listen to anyone's ATM, you know, as long as I have an idea of what I'm supposed to be, how I move and what I might wanna be attending to. 
I can make a lesson of that for myself. Um, but for, I think, the average person coming in off the street, when we put them into the ATM space, they might be really um, troubled by how small it is, how slow it is, how little it seems to be, right? So just articulating regularly why we do what we do, I think is an important part of ATM teaching. And that's something I've tried to do in every single um, lesson that, we, that, that I offer on the Feldenkrais Project. So I hope that that could be some kind of um, inspiration for like-minded ATM teachers. And there are so many different ways to teach ATM. I don't pretend mm -hmm. that my loquacious way is, is the right way, but for some, maybe it will be useful. Thank you. Um, so, what else was there? Was there anything else that you wanted to say about the process or the evolution of building this project? Yeah, um, you know, I was thinking that the whole Feldenkrais world has been kind of rapidly moving online in the last year because of COVID. I was thinking it might be nice to, to share a few thoughts about that. You know, you've heard my story and, and, and my model of sharing content and, and funding the content is very unusual. Um, but, you know, for, for people who are practitioners who are looking to, to get more Feldenkrais out into the world online, um, I want to just say it's a it's a lot of skill sets, and I think it's important to to start uh, in any way that you're comfortable to do the the material or the pieces of it that you feel really passionately about. So, um, Cynthia Allen, you had on the podcast a couple episodes ago. I think that anyone who is curious about this should definitely listen to that episode. I think she knows a lot more than I do about um, the best ways to, to use the modern internet in terms of building a business. Uh, one of her phrases that I thought was great was, was niching down, finding out who your work is for. And um, in my own mind, I created a little interpretation as I thought about you know, sharing some of this information, niching down to what you're best at and then figuring out what pieces of the tasks at hand you need to hire out. So I really like studying, creating and teaching ATM lessons. And I really like the community. I really like um, being a community manager, hearing people's stories, connecting the Feldenkrais community with each other, sharing those wonderful testimonials to inspire people to study. Um, but some of the technical details I definitely needed to hire out. So how can you how can you dive into what you feel most equipped at, and then you know keep your keep your expenses low and just try little bits of online endeavors. Um, by hiring out the pieces that you absolutely have to to get something going online. Okay, that's a, a beautiful way to sum up the podcast, actually. Really great. I think I, I'm definitely leaning towards you as a resource to learn to grow online um, because, you know, as you say, there's not really many people that have developed a business. I think the business aspect is missing in the Feldenkrais world. Um, and being consistent with Moshe's methods and you've really um, led the way with that. So it's very awesome. So thank you very much for joining us today, Nick. Um, it's been a pleasure and I will definitely be directing people to your site if they want to learn more about Feldenkrais. And I'm, as a practitioner, as a practitioner in training, I've got some, we're just doing uh, functional integration now and I've got some people that are coming in 
very, very curious and they want to know more about online work. So I'll direct them to you. Um, before we close off, I just want to mention a little group that myself and Libby are involved in. I'm the president and Libby is the secretary. It's the Feldenkrais Interest Group, which started around 1984 for practitioners or people in training to be, become practitioners. There was no internet. So they would gather together and do classes. And in Australia, we're kind of on the other side of the planet to where most of Feldenkrais activity was happening. So they had guest speakers coming in and trainers and it was quite productive. And then as times evolved, there were also FIGs, Feldenkrais interest groups around Australia. And now Melbourne is the only interest group in existence. So we have once a month a practitioner and we've now also introduced talks and it's on Zoom. The membership is $50 a year. And we're being a little bit naughty in that next month we have a practitioner. She graduated from the last training and she's now evolving her style of creative dance into Feldenkrais. So this is something that you touched on Nick is like stay true to the method and the classes for the first 10 years or whatever. But we've invited people to explore and to develop um, to blend their passions together. And one of the ways I see Feldenkrais moving forward is when we can interact with people of other modalities, other methods, bring them into how Feldenkrais can enhance what they're passionate about. So for example, musicians, and in this case, creative dancers, and we're speaking with somebody about Aikido. So next month we have Sylvia Finzi, um, doing a little experiment. We did a practice yesterday, Wednesday. It was really beautiful having dance in amongst an awareness through movement lesson. It was really, really beautiful. And we have Kim Sargent Wiseheart, who's a, a student of Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen. And Libby and I did a little workshop with her, an online workshop where she took us through mapping our bones from our toes through to our head and the way she explains the skeletal system is really special. So she'll be joining us. Um, and we've got some great guests coming up for the rest of the year. It goes until November. So we invite people who are curious to learn about Feldenkrais to explore both the Feldenkrais project, come to FIG, it's online. If you'd like to be on our members list, um, then contact us through the anchor or YouTube. Um, and Next month, we have Taro Iramoto, who is a bit of a legend in the YouTube space. He does regular lessons. He's really awesome in the way he explains Feldenkrais for people with very basics, similar to what you have, Nick, with taking your sternum for a walk. Taro introduces little, little aspects that can make a difference in people's days. So yeah, we'll have him. Um, and that will be Libby and Heidi. So thank you very, very much for listening uh, and for yeah, taking the time out to just switch play and to listen to what we have to say. Yes? May I throw in a, just a little parting gift for your listeners? There's something I meant to share and I didn't have my thoughts straight and forgot earlier. Um, I just wanted to mention there's something going on in uh, North America that's pretty great for the Feldenkrais world that really jives beautifully with your goals with the podcast, my goals with the Feldenkrais project. The Feldenkrais Legacy Forum 
um, is comprised of a bunch of really cool practitioners who have uh, banded together at the grassroots level to develop new strategies for the future. Um, we love and know the Feldenkrais method like we were talking about earlier in the hour. And so let's go big. Let's figure out different models of training professionals so we can reach more and younger people and communicate effectively with the public and support each other as practitioners. Obviously, it's a global thing. The reason I say North America is just that we are all um, members of the North American Guild. And from the bottom up, we are attempting to um, just bring some change and um, expand the horizons of Feldenkrais and how we support each other here in North America. So I would be remiss not to mention that um, if you are a practitioner and you're listening and you're curious about this, um, email FeldenkraisLegacyForum at gmail.com to get a password to a website that tells you more information. This is for professional practitioners and I think trainees um, in, in North America. But I just wanted to pass that one along um, because I think you were asking, you know, where does the method go from here? What are we trying to do next? I think that, that growing and, and going big, both with the Australian figs and, uh, and with what the Legacy Forum is trying to accomplish here, uh, is, it just serves everybody's needs. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just pop in and say thank you very much for that. And also, if you could mention your website, Nick, and just that I found it, it's just so simple, but very, very deep. And, um, and I think this conversation has been really powerful and clarifying too. So thank you very much. And um, your, your website, we need to make sure people know where, how to find you. Feldenkraisproject.com. We'll have links in the bios to all of everything that we've mentioned today. We want to bring people into FIG. We want to make it easy. So, yeah, we'll definitely have those links available. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Nick. Thank you both so much. This has been a real pleasure.